0: good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing today? All right. It's good to see you guys. It's good to have you guys that are joining online. Uh, We're in a series called Pigs in Flight. And what we've been talking about is this. Have you ever heard someone say, that's going to happen when pigs fly? What that means, that's code for that will never happen. Well, in our lives, some of us are living defeated lives because we've bought into the lie that that pig will never fly in our life. That thing will never happen. What we've been looking at is areas in our lives where God can do the impossible in our hearts, in our lives, in every situation that we face. Uh, Recently, I was able to review a book. It's called God Views by Kurt Cloniger. And in this book, he turned it into a dramatic presentation of three negative views that people have about God that they don't know they have. So it's like it's a subconscious view of God that you would never say that you believe that, but it's kind of you know, kind of just what you believe um, and live out. The first one is this. It's called the cosmic sheriff, meaning that God is hidden, like, like, like they do in Virginia, right? The, he's hidden like a cop, and He's ready to pull you over the moment you do something wrong. He's ready to give you a ticket and tell you how bad you are and how shameful you are. And, how ter- and that's not what God wants to do in your life. The other bad view of God is called the party host. It's like life's a party, just have fun. God cares about nothing. He only wants you to be happy. And that's another negative view of God that can impact our life for Christ. And then the third view that he outlines is really relevant to today's message, and it's called the old, feeble, caring grandfather. That we believe God's this loving old grandpa with a big white beard, and he loves us and just cares so much. But when push comes to shove, he can't help you. If you're getting beat (laughs) up— He's not jumping into the fight because He's just not strong enough. He's not powerful enough. And I want to outline in today's uh, message and in this series that our God is all-powerful. He spoke the world into existence. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you if you are a follower of Jesus. And our God specializes in making pigs fly. And today, what we want to look at is in Mark chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to see where God totally intervenes in this guy's life who was wrecked. His life was wrecked. Uh, Mark's gospel is interesting, though. In Mark's gospel, there's the word immediately is used over 40 times. And Mark is the shortest gospel with the most miracles. So when you look at each gospel, each gospel shows you Jesus as a different, like, you know, kind of a different perspective of Jesus. And Mark shows you that Jesus is a workhorse. If you just read the gospel of Mark, there is no recording of the birth. Like, literally, you see Jesus jump on the scene, and he just starts doing miracles off the bat. And we see that he's a miracle worker. And what's interesting about Mark is this, if you don't know kind of the history of the gospels, is that most scholars believe that Mark was the main source that other writers got information from, or if they weren't there, like Luke, it was—they got it from because Mark didn't walk with Jesus. Mark and Luke did not walk with him. They weren't regular disciples. Mark actually—remember in our, I think, our first or second message we talked about Mark? Paul got really upset with him and said, go back home to mama and daddy. Me and, me and the guys will continue to go missionary journeys. And then Barnabas took Mark in, he mentored Mark, and then later on in life, Paul was like, hey, no, 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 bring Mark back, he's super helpful in ministry. That's the same Mark, that's John Mark. And here's what Mark did, he sat down and interviewed Peter. Most scholars believe that Peter is that source that Mark got his information from. And so I kind of imagine in Mark chapter 4 and chapter 5 that Peter's sitting there and saying, hey, man, this was when things got kind of crazy. Like, you know, we, we saw Jesus, you know, heal some sicknesses and teach some good sermons, but it got wild, like, you'll never believe this, Mark. First of all, we're in this boat. And as we're riding on this boat, like, the storm's going crazy. He's like, you know, the disciples were freaking out. Now, I wasn't really freaking out. You know, Peter probably, you know, I was good, but they were all going crazy. And then Jesus speaks to the storm, and the storm is calmed. And we were like, wow, okay, this is not a normal Jewish rabbi that we've been around before. Like, this is not the rabbi we learned at when we were in rabbi school as little kids, Right? He said, and then something even crazier happened, and we were scared to death because we landed on this shore of the Gerasenes. I just, can you imagine him saying, and when you landed, you could hear it. We would all heard about it, but we never experienced it. It was this guy that nobody wanted to be around in the Gerasenes. As we jump into Mark chapter 5, you will see Mark outline why and what happens here. It says in Mark 5, 1, so they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put in the chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. That's pretty crazy, right? I would be scared if I rode up on that shore with that guy there. It says that no one was strong enough to— subdue him and watch this day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills this guy like lived in burial caves not just like a graveyard but people were buried in there like like you know there were dead people in there this is how like this guy was on another level when it came to a sickness it says he was howling and cutting himself with sharp stones when jesus was still some distance away the man saw him and ran to meet him And bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the Spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? He says, My name is Legion, because there are so many of us inside this man. Tons of evil spirits in this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Now there's a lot in here that you'll say that we just don't know, right? Like the the writer isn't clear about it. and We can't like just say, well, I believe this because of this. But here's what we do know. Pigs were ceremonially unclean to Jews. You couldn't eat pork because how bad it was for you. And God outlined that in the Torah. And these unclean evil spirits wanted to get into unclean things. I'll talk about this a little later, but just realize that unclean spirits love unclean things uh, in our lives as well. And so they wanted to go into the pigs. And it says uh, this next So Jesus gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Those pigs didn't fly. All right, good. You guys did better than 9 a.m. service. I was waiting for the the hit there. (laughs) The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed—so I guess he was naked before—and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Well, they're probably still afraid of that guy, right? They didn't fully trust yet that he was okay. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. The crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Now, why would they do that? Let's just be practical. He crashed their economy. <laughs> Legion was say, but they made their money off pigs, right? And all the pigs are gone. They're like, look, man, I know you're cool, Jesus. Just don't, just, just please, just leave us and— Keep our businesses safe here. And that's what he was dealing with. But when you look at the story of Legion, there's many things there that we don't have in common, right? Now, you're probably not possessed by evil spirits, even though your spouse may tell me otherwise. Yeah, you're probably not howling and cutting yourself, which sometimes people do cut, especially young people in this day and time. But you're probably not, you know, howling and cutting yourself. You're probably not breaking shackles and walking around doing those things. But I want you to draw a parallel, and the day when you look at this account, I want you to look at similarities between you and Legion. I want you to look at what could be similar about you. Number one, Legion was suffering. He was suffering internally. He was going through pain. He was alone. He was isolated. And today, some of us are dealing with that as well. You're you're dealing with internal pain. You're just suffering internally. And some of you have never told people about what you're suffering with. Others of you know very well what you're dealing with. And Jesus wants to help you with that. Uh, The other part is this. Some of you are suffering externally. There's something that in your life that you need God to help you with. Maybe it isn't an addiction. Maybe it isn't an emotional situation. Maybe it's just something you're struggling with that you need God to intervene And so if you have your notes handy, write this down today, because here's what was true about Legion, and here's also what is true about you and I today when it comes to Jesus. Jesus wants to deliver you from what is destroying you. Jesus wants to deliver you, just like Legion, from what is destroying you. Now you say, hold up, hold up, I don't really have any issues. If if you believe that, then you're blind. Either you're blind or you're ignoring them. Because can I tell you today, if you feel like you're a person with issues, you're at the right church because all of us got issues. If you're new with this day, we're crazy. I'm, I'm joking. Some people are crazy, but for the most part we're good. But we all suffer. We all have issues or addictions or things internally that we're dealing with. And Jesus wants to meet us with that. Some of us are struggling with paranoia, mistrust, anger, hatred, bitterness, jealousy. You know, Paul says there's sins of the flesh and sins of the spirit. Some of us struggle with addictions, right? Maybe it's uh, over-the-counter medications; you can't stop popping the pills to make how it makes you feel. Maybe it's uh, too much alcohol in the evenings. Maybe for you it's a food addiction. I'm not sure what the thing is you're struggling with. Other, others of us have those sins of the spirits I said before—the things that are hidden. That so are maybe you're dealing with anger, bitterness, jealousy, hatred, whatever that is for you. But we all struggle. And the truth is, Jesus wants to step in and do for you what he did for Legion. But here's a question I kind of want to ask you as we kick this message off today. And you've got to be brutally honest with yourself. What cycles and addictions are you letting Satan influence in your life? What cycles and addictions are you letting Satan influence? There's just cycles that keep going on in our life. For some of us, you can set the clock, and every six months, this always happens. You can set the cycle. Every year, this always comes around. It's like we keep living the same movie over and over. We're we're Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, right? And we're wondering, why does this keep happening? Why do I keep feeling this way? Why do my relationships keep imploding? Why does this keep coming up in my life? And this could be, again, emotionally, or it could be something physically with an addiction. Now, why do I keep having again I'm going on this mountain over and over again? And you've got to ask that question because here's what I know. Anytime you see that happening, there's a key that you've given the enemy of your soul, Satan. You've just given him a key. Right? Like, like you just don't give anybody a key to your house, do you? No, that's not what But that's what we do sometimes with Satan say, hey, hey, here's a key. Come and go as you please. In my heart. Just come and go in my mind. Come and go. Live rent-free. And we do that over and over. You think about it. Like, watching pornography is a key for the enemy. He comes in. He makes you desensitized. He weakens your intimacy in your marriage. Anger and hatred keeps you from loving your neighbor as you would love yourself. Think about it. It's a key. And you've got to ask the question in your life, whether it's really big or it's really small, in my life, what cycles— And addictions, am I letting Satan use in my life? Because here's the thing. Here's the end game. I mean, really, Satan's goal hadn't changed since the beginning of time. What he did for Adam and Eve and all through Scripture and all through history and what he he did to legions, the same for us. Here's the end game. Are you ready? Satan wants us to suffer. Legion was suffering. I couldn't imagine what this guy was going through living like this. And it pleased Satan's heart. And then Jesus steps in and delivers him from what was destroying him. I mean, if you look at it, like like Paul says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Like like, like three promises of the kingdom of God. If you're a follower of Jesus, that is a promise from God of how our lives should look. That you should live joyful of the righteousness that you have with Christ. Every day waking up like, man... I'm fully a child of God. I'll never be any more a child of God or any less a child of God. This is awesome. I get to commune with my Creator, and you live in this righteous standing with God because of what Jesus did for you. Righteousness and joy, that you wake up joyful and hopeful. When's the last time you woke up and you're like, man, God, I'm excited. I'm just excited about what you're going to do in my life today, what you're going to do in my marriage and in my kids. See, the opposite of that, of joy, is sadness. It's hopelessness. It's depression. And Satan wants you to suffer with that. Righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. What is peace? It's not that everything around you is okay. It's that Jesus is in the boat with you. That's what peace is. And and true followers of Jesus, man, they had this peace that no matter what they're going through around them, they're unshakable. They're like, man, I, I, I feel anxiety. I feel this, but I have peace in my heart no matter how my feelings Are with me and see. Satan does not want you to have that. He wants you to suffer just like Legion suffered. And you have to really survey and look at like what are you suffering with personally. Some of you have, as I said before, have never told anybody. Some of you, it's very open. You're very honest with it. But the goal is, in life, God doesn't want you to suffer unless you're suffering for the gospel. Now, if you're overseas in another country, or if you're here and you're living for Christ and you suffer, that's one thing. But suffering for the sake of suffering is not the plan of God for our life. It's just to suffer. And so many of us, guys, I talk to people all the time. I talk to pastors all the time. And people are just suffering in our generation. The personal suffering people are going through with anxiety and depression and anger issues alcoholism, pornography usage, it is absolutely skyrocketed, especially with the pandemic that happened last year. And it breaks my heart because that's not the life that God has intended for any of us. And so if, if, if you're not leaned in today, I want you to be leaned in because here's the fallout. If we don't lean into this and understand this and, and grasp this, here's what's going to happen to us in our life. If, if we don't understand what Jesus is trying to do. And if we don't allow Jesus to save us from our addiction, then we will suffer more than we ever imagined. If we don't allow Jesus to save us, to deliver us, to come into that situation, and I say addiction, it can be the issues you're facing. You'll suffer more than you've ever imagined in life. And, and I'm here today to kind of level the playing field. I tell you about my story all the time, and the reason I do that is to let you know that I'm human. I'll never forget when I was a youth pastor, and, I was, um, and, and the, a young guy came to me. He would begin smoking crack. He was in youth group, and he was, I mean, he was on you know, served in youth group and all that, and hit 18, he was smoking crack. This is just a reality. He didn't want to tell his parents. His parents didn't know that. They thought he was an All-American great kid. And he said, you know, like, he says, you won't understand this, Pastor Kevin, because you don't struggle with anything like this. You may struggle spiritually, but you don't struggle with, with, with like, you know, desires and those things. I'll never forget that, and that's why I share my stories with you. I not you to understand here, you're not alone and what you're going through personally does not make you weird, and it doesn't make you something where God wants something to do with you. We're all going through something. And so for me, let me tell you my story. I've shared with you about my anger and stuff, what I went through in the past, and went through counseling, but one of the things I had to deal with after that was anxiety. Now, here's the thing about emotional health, okay? Are you ready for it? Going to a counselor or therapist is good, but here's, not what ha- here's what's not going what, what, to happen for you. You're not going to go to one, and then they fix it, and you're good. They keep uncovering stuff. You're like, whoa, I messed up. How messed up am I really? And so I dealt with this anger stuff. And I've gotten a lot better at it. My wife the other day was just like, it's like she got angry about something. I'm like, hey, it's all, it's all good, babe. It's chill. Who cares? She's like, well, look at you, Muhammad Gandhi. You know, you, you go to counseling, all of a sudden you're just all at peace with everything and everybody. Look at you. And, and it, was, it was super funny uh, with that because, you know, now I'm, I'm helping her with her anger issues. No, I'm joking. She's not in she's not here this morning right here at the service, so she didn't hear that. But I dealt with anxiety. And what I did was I realized that I have extreme—every morning I woke up, I was ready for the negative phone call, something bad to happen. I was ready for the negative email. If I ever got a call and a voice message, I was scared to death. When text would come through, my heart would race because I was ready for something really bad, for bad news to happen. And here's what I had to do, and and maybe this will help you out, but any counselors will trace you back to your childhood, right, to that traumatic experience. And so I began to sit down and really spend time with God and think about why do I have such anxiety? Why do I always feel like the sky is falling? Like everything's going to fall apart at any second, right? Like like there are days I think, oh, God, like Thrive Church is not going to make it. And Thrive Church is fine. (laughs) Like literally we're doing great. And I just have these feelings overwhelming. Here's what I realized. At nine years old, my grandmother got diagnosed with terminal cancer. My grandmother was was my mom. She was amazing. And my mom and dad one night had a really big fight. My mom and I went to my grandparents' house, and we stayed there. And my grandfather told me, he said, the next morning, we're going to ride the tractor together. And I was like, yeah, this will be awesome. So mom said, I'll come pick you up at school. be around lunchtime, so don't don't, don't eat lunch. I'll get you you before that bell rings. And, um, and we'll go ride the tractor. So I'm waiting in class. And you remember when you were in school, like if you're my age, the principal came over the intercom, and you're sitting in class. And when, the, the, when they said, your mom's here to pick you up, you're like, yeah. You're like walking out in the rest of the class. <laughs> That's like the, that was like the bomb. I don't know how they do it now. Maybe they text you or something. But you just love that call. You just like, yeah, look at everybody. And so she did that. But it was earlier. I wasn't expecting for, um, you know, that call to come at 930. And so I said, well, cool. I show up though and something strange happens. I, I go outside and my mom's parked at the very front and she has a toy with her and she's sitting there. And I'm thinking, this is weird. And she sits down and she says, I need to tell you some really bad news. Your grandfather was shot. And I'm thinking, okay, okay, so who shot him? And I'm gonna get him. That's, that's why I told her, little nine-year-old kid, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get them, you, you show. She said, no, he shot himself. And I said, well, was it an accident because he hunted? No, like, no, he, he, he committed suicide. I said, what is suicide? I'd never, like never had heard. So like at, my brain could not grasp this idea of suicide. And I'm thinking, why would he do that? Why would he? I mean, and like, like you know, again, for a nine-year-old to grasp that was just so, like it was just like a lot for me. Um, And I actually had to go through counseling to go through that. But here's what happened to me in that traumatic experience. You can trace everything back to a traumatic experience. Here's what happened. Number one, I I learned this for the traumatic experience, which was negative. I learned that bad news is coming, and get ready for it, because any day you're going to get bad news from anywhere that that you you can. Like like my, my mom died of cancer, you know, back in 2012. I got the call for terminal camp. My dad went for a routine ICU thing and get some liver stuff done. and He died and wasn't supposed to. My grandma died. And so you're surrounded by that. And about five years ago, I was just crippled with anxiety up until probably about a year and a half ago. I was always waiting for the negative call, always waiting for something bad to happen. Here's the second thing that I learned from that traumatic experience that really hurt me and I was suffering. Not only was I crippled with anxiety internally that nobody really knew about, but anger. My grandfather wrote a note, and his note said this. He said, my nerves just couldn't handle it, Mary. I'm sorry, because she had cancer. And here's as a nine-year-old kid, I was so angry when they read that note to me. I didn't know why he would do it. And I was like, man, you jerk. You checked out on my grandma, and I'll take care of her. You go off to La La Land. You check out, and I'll take care of her. So here's the next negative thing that I struggled with. I was ready for people to bail on me in the worst possible situations because they're always taking the easy way out, and I would be left to have to pull it all together. And so I struggled with that. And neither one of those thoughts were, were, were good or healthy. And I had, to, I had to do two things, guys. Number one, I was suffering. I had to choose, and I have to choose to be hopeful every day. I have to. I wake up every morning now, and I choose to be hopeful. It is not something that comes to you. It will not, it, it, you're not going to be sitting there one day, and all of a sudden, just hope just hits you, right? And then I had to choose to believe the best in people, even when they're at their worst. Because, man, I was suffering so much. I'll tell you the thing that really changed my life. It was not only going to see a counselor, but here's what I did. And I actually want you to write this down. Here's our next step today. This is super important. Invite holy interference into your indifference. That's what I did. Invite holy interference into your indifference. For me, I was struggling with this indifference toward life and humanity. And I invited God. Can I tell you the deep prayer that I prayed? I prayed. Um, it's, it's, this message will last about two hours this is the deep long, I prayed this is the longest prayer, I prayed, I was on a walk and I prayed, I said God please help me that's my prayer I said I don't know what to do and friends can I tell you the next two podcasts I listened to dealt with anxiety that, I, that came out of the blue And God began to meet me in that, and God began to minister to me in that. And He began to show me how I could be a healthier dad and a healthier husband and a healthier leader. And I invited Jesus into my situation. Many of us are looking for silver bullets and just to go through some quick counseling sessions and get it fixed. But we're not leaning into Jesus and leaning into worshiping Him and leaning into the Scriptures that have the life of God in them. What's the first thing that Legion did? Jesus shows up on the shore— and Legion runs to him. He goes to him. Invite Jesus into your situation. I don't know what it is for you, but some of us need to sit down and just put some worship music on and say, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. You know how screwed up I am, and you still love me anyway. <laughs> but I invite you to come in into my indifference. Because the longer we live with this stuff in our life, the longer you live with anger, Again, you become desensitized. The longer you live with porn in your life, desensitized, the longer you live with this addiction, you become desensitized. It's kind of like this. Like, like our, our water season in Virginia, if you're new to Virginia, it is um, Memorial Day through Labor Day, right? That's like official water. When Memorial Day hits, the pools are all open and Labor Day, everything's shutting down. And I hate June and I hate water. Can I tell you why? It's cold. <laughs> like some of you, pools opened up last week and it was miserable, Right? Like seventy degrees. And here's the reason it's so cold. I hate cold water. But here's what I've learned. If you get into cold water, it's shocking at first, but the longer you stay in it, what happens? You become used to it. You become used. and that's what happens in our life if we don't invite Jesus into that. See, I'm gonna tell you something. Our God is powerful. He wants to help you with that. And friends, you got to imagine a life where you see yourself overcoming the very thing that you're facing, not because of how good you are, but because of how powerful that our good God is. And you are hopeful again, and you believe again that if Jesus could do it for this guy, Legion, surely you're not as screwed up as Legion is, right? (laughs) He can do it for you as well. Our God specializes in doing miracles and showing up in our lives. One of my favorite stories is of John Patton. He was a missionary to the New Hebrides Islands. And John records this story of how they were in their mission house and the local tribe all showed up, very hostile to the gospel and volatile to the gospel. They showed up one night with swords and bows and arrows and they were ready to attack and kill him and his wife. John and his wife knelt and prayed all night, crying out to God for deliverance and help. When daybreak came, the men just slowly walked away and they never saw him again. One year later, the chief was converted to Christianity. And so John asked him, he said, why did you guys leave? You were surrounded us. We were sure we'd be dead. He said, well, I got a question for you. Who were, all the, who were those army of men that you had around you? He said, we walked up and there were really big men dressed in white with swords surrounding the mission house. And we told our, we told our army, we can't fight these guys. We've got to leave. And at that point, John and his wife knew God had done a miracle, that he had delivered them in that situation. Friends, you just got to believe that in your life, that God can and he will do it for you. So how do you do it? Here's three quick things this morning. The first thing that you and I uh, have to do in our life is this. Seek Jesus. or should, excuse me, survey your suffering. Survey your suffering. And what Mark records there is this. Mark records... The suffering this man went through, he was howling and cutting himself and no one could subdue him. He was living in caves. He was suffering, y'all, alone. And Mark records the suffering that Peter had seen in this guy's life. Pause for a second. Stop ignoring your suffering and get to the root of it and figure out why do I keep leaning and going this way why do I keep facing these cycles? Why? The, the addiction that somebody faces, stop, bla- stop getting mad at somebody's addiction. All addiction is is a fruit. And I've told you before, you've got to get to the root. Remember that? Survey your suffering. What is it for you? My latest one was anxiety that I've been dealing with. I'm just ready for God to show the next one, right? Thanks, Lord. <laughs> just keeps getting more fun. <laughs> Who knows what's next? Survey it. The, the second thing that you have to do is seek Jesus to set you free, as I said before. That's what Legion did. He he went to Jesus and said, I need help. He fought against all those things that were coming against him in his life. Do the same thing in your life. Seek Jesus to set you free. And then finally, see the process through. Now think about with Legion, what happened with that. Number one, people probably didn't think highly of, of this guy because somebody lost a huge, huge asset when they lost those pig's. I'm pretty sure people were still skeptical of of Legion, right? I'm pretty sure he didn't get invited over to dinner at somebody's house immediately. There was a process that he had to go through in his life. And make sure whatever you're struggling with, there are no silver bullets. But God will walk with you every step of the way. God's not saying you can do this. That's what our culture says. I can do this. God's not saying, God's saying we can do this. He's in it with you. He believes more in you than you believe in yourself. And I want to encourage you today. What is it for you? Uh, w- when I went to my counselor for the first time, the first thing he did was surveyed my suffering. Where is this suffering coming from? But until you do that, you'll never know. So this week, as you're on your daily routes and you're, you're going out and about, maybe you're in the car alone. Maybe you're in the shower and the kids are leaving you alone. <laughs> Pause and say, God, help me. That's the prayer that I pray, God, help. And friends, can I tell you, not only has God helped me with anxiety, and I'm the happiest and most content I've ever been in my life, but I'm now helping other pastors with this. Because what I realized was it was an epidemic in ministry. And so many pastors were dealing with anxiety and never talking about it. God will not only help you with what you're going through, but He's going to help you, and you're going to begin to help other people what they're facing. This morning, let's pray together and let's ask God's help. Father, we thank you for this recorded historical account of this man who suffered so much. And we get to see your son Jesus do an amazing miracle in his life. And so, Father, we pause this morning and we pray that you would help us. We are all dealing with something on some level. And God, we ask you that you would meet us where we're at. We're inviting you in to our situation right now. And God, we believe that you can do it. God, we believe that you will do it. Father, I pray right now for every person in here that out of this message today, their relationships become healthier, their emotional state, that they'll be filled with joy and peace and righteousness again, Lord. That would be hopeful again. I pray that over every person that is in this place today and those that are watching online. Father, I ask that for them right now. And God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you want to be involved in our situation. And right now we're praying today, guys, and our, our heads are bowed, and we're kind of this little sacred moment that we have. I want you, whether it's in your mind or you know, verbally or whatever, just say, God, help God, help me. I invite you in. Help me. God, help us in here. Every one of us, Lord, we need you, and we are thankful, Lord, that you don't look at us with shame or disgust, but you love us so much, God. And you are all-powerful to come in and help us overcome anything that we're facing, Lord. And as we're praying today, church, It would not be good to end this service without giving this invitation as well. God's God's inviting you to come back to faith in Christ. And for some of you, for the first time ever, to surrender your life to come to faith in Christ. Maybe you encountered a bad version of Christianity and you walked away from your faith. Maybe you've never taken the step to give your life to Christ right where you're sitting today. I want you to pray this prayer. Make this confession of faith after me. And it's this. God, I admit that I am a sinner. I admit I can't do this on my own. I need Jesus. So today, I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that He died on the cross and He rose again on the third day. And I believe that Jesus is sitting at your right hand. Today, I repent. And I turn from my old life, give my old life up, and I embrace your new life. God, forgive me of all my sins, and thank you for forgiving me. Now help me, God, to live that abundant life with you. It's in Jesus' good name that we pray. Amen.